Welcome to Hold Fast, a radio outreach ministry of Golgotha Fellowship in Nampa, Idaho. Join us as Pastor Marty teaches us verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, through the Word of God. To listen to any of these messages in their entirety or to find out more about our fellowship, please visit GolgothaFellowship.org. Let's listen in to today's message, and may the Lord richly bless you. What have I to ask beside? Can I doubt His tenderness see? Who through life has been my guide? they do the whole time they're thinking I'll get them I'll get them so they come back with maybe a little harsher comment or my favorite is but what about you (laughs) you know I'm just saying that stuff happens so they come back with a little harsher comment now they feel better because they've unloaded but now that person they've just said that to is angry and bitter now their pride rises up what happens they start thinking how they're going to get revenge when does the cycle end you know as Christians it should end right away Because none of those arguments, none of those things should happen if we would do what the Bible says, and that is die to ourself. All it takes is one side of that argument to just say, okay, to just die to themselves. It's what we're called to do. But pride won't let us. Pride wants revenge. Pride wants to say, I want to say my peace. I've I've got a I've got you know justice. I want justice. I want to be able to say my peace. Okay. Or you could give up your right to be right even when you're right for the sake of unity in the body. How many of us do, just like this, just like this whole story? But you know, it even says here that Daniel and even some of his people, the Jewish men, would get involved. And this is the other mistake we make in our arguments. We get angry, we get bitter, and now we want other people on our side. So we get other people in the church to get on our side, to defend us, to go against that person. What a mistake. What a tragedy. And we try to one-up It happens. Guard yourself. Because we see, and we're going to see in Daniel, it doesn't end well for those you bring in. You know, it's one thing to sin on your own. It's another thing to involve others and to bring them into your sin and cause them to sin. We shouldn't be that way. And that's what happens here. Verse 14, it says, Also violent men of your people shall exalt themselves in fulfillment of the vision, but they shall fall. These men get sucked into it. They get sucked into this whole battle. And they fall. This man, Antiochus III, he lures them in. He promises them everything. But verse 16, we see he turns on him. But he who comes against him shall do according to his own will, and no one shall stand against him. He shall stand in the glorious land, that's speaking of Israel, with destruction in his power. So he's able to talk these Jewish men into helping him, and they help him. And then what, do they, what happens? He turns on them and kills them and destroys them. And that's what the enemy wants for you and me. That's the enemy's plan. He wants you to get all riled up in your pride and get angry and bitter and just keep the soap opera going and get others involved. He wants a chain reaction. It's called a stronghold or a foothold if we're talking about spiritual battles. This right here is probably more than half the problems we face in our lives. We shouldn't be that way. And here's the thing. The end is always destruction. You think you got it, you know, people on your side and all this? You're causing them to sin just as much as you are. And then what happens? Destruction. At some point, it's all going to fall apart. 
And if you think you win, what happens is you probably hurt someone else, and now they're going to stew about it for years, and they're going to be sinning in their heart because of your actions. (laughs) What good comes of it? Die to self. Love one another in the church. We don't have to go to war. We don't have to let others tear us apart. But at the same time, just give up your right to be right even when you're right. Now, we stand on God's truth. I'm not talking, you know what I'm talking about. But when it's personal, when it's those things, let it go. When you read through this chapter, you can't help. It's exhausting. It is like a soap opera. Ups and downs, ups and downs. It's constant. A lot of pain, a lot of hurting, a lot of murder and strife. And that's what the flesh wants to do. And again, verse 16 tells us that. But again, the soap opera doesn't stop there. (laughs) And I'm going to end the study today. I promised you Cleopatra, so we're going to talk about Cleopatra. Now, as, as a little bit of a bait and switch, right, you've heard that term. It's not the famous Cleopatra. It's not Cleopatra VII. That's the famous, you know, she had her soap opera of her own with Mark Antony and Julius Caesar and all of that. Maybe you guys know that story. You know, it's one of those historical accounts. It's like a soap opera, too. But this is an ancestor of that Cleopatra. We're going to see another Cleopatra in Scripture. This Cleopatra is also going to cause some trouble and some strife and some problems like the, her descendant a hundred and some odd years later. But look at this in verse 17. Because we're going to see they try to make this agreement. They try to make this, this uh, treaty because the Roman Empire is growing in strength. And so the Seleucid Empire and the Ptolemy Empire, they want to come together somehow. And so this is what they do. Verse 17. He shall also set his face to enter with the strength of, the whole, of his whole kingdom and upright ones with him. Thus shall he do. And he shall give him the daughter of women to destroy it. But she shall not stand with him or be for him. And so what we know is this. In approximately 196 BC, Antiochus III offered his young daughter, this woman Cleopatra, to the young king Ptolemy V. And when it says here that he shall give him the daughter of women to destroy it, she was known in that day as the most beautiful woman on the planet. All the women wanted to be like her and all the men desired her. And that's what happened. He gave his daughter in marriage for the sake of union, for the sake of peace. However, like her descendant, she was a wild child. She was a little bit of a wild lady. She cheated on her husband multiple times. That doesn't end well in any kingdom. And so what happened was peace was broken, and all of that came crashing down. And then we see this, Antiochus' last effort, verse 18 and 19. After this, he shall turn his face to the coastlands and shall take many, but a ruler shall bring the reproach against them to an end. And with the reproach removed, he shall turn back on him, verse 19. Then he shall turn his face toward the fortress of his own land, but he shall stumble and fall and not be found. So Antiochus III, after this, he did. He went to the coastlands. He went to the islands to try to fight this war, building forces up against Rome because he knew without the empire combined, he could never take on Rome himself. But that's what he tried to do. But here's the problem. He ran into a Roman general. And, you know, every soap opera always has that one guy away who has the weird name or something. You know, they bring in some guy with Scorpio or whatever, you know, his name. And uh, they bring him in and he, he causes some issue or whatever. Well, in this soap opera, a general from Rome named Lucius Cornelius Sip. Close enough, right? Um, I think of Fabio when I think of this guy. <laughs> Shows up on the scene with his hair, you know, he's got his... 
But this is what happens. This general comes and he destroys Antiochus III in Greece. He humiliates him. He takes his treasure. He kills most of his soldiers. And he sends him back to his kingdom with his tail between his legs. And when he arrives, he's so broke. Antiochus III is so broke that he has to start robbing locally from pagan temples just to pay for his own basic needs. And a group of the pagans rebelled when they saw this. They marched on him and killed him and they cut his head off. Fitting end, I guess, huh? But the soap opera's not done, just so you know. But that's what it means when stumbling and falling from power and not to be found anymore, because that's what happened. His kingdom ended there. But then we know what happened was his successor came to power, Seleucid III, and he immediately levied heavy taxes all over the region, including Israel. And this is where it gets important. This is where we're going to finish today. He puts heavy taxes on Israel. And he has a plan. He's going to go invade Israel and steal all their treasure and all their goods. But then one of his ambassadors has a vision and a dream that it won't end well, and he talks him out of it. But it wouldn't have mattered anyway because this leader, Seleucus III, he died just days into his rule, into his reign. And he'd be replaced by his brother who assassinated him, a man named Antiochus IV. And we'll talk about that next week. But Daniel 11.20 There shall arise in his place one who imposes taxes on the glorious kingdom. But within a few days he shall be destroyed, but not in anger or in battle. This is exactly what happened. It wasn't in anger or battle. It was envy. It was jealousy. It was just literally a political move. His brother, Antiochus IV, quite a guy, killed him, assassinated him so he could take the throne. But this is the fascinating thing. Antiochus IV is also known as Antiochus Epiphanes. And that's where the soap opera ends today, is at the beginning of this man's rule and reign. And next week, as we go into chapter 11, as we finish the rest of this, we're going to see what he does with Israel and to Israel. And we're going to see the abomination that he makes of the temple. But it doesn't fulfill the prophecy of the abomination of desolation. At the end of chapter 11, we're going to actually see the willful king. We'll see Antiochus next week, and we'll see what he does to the Jewish people as a type and a picture of the Antichrist. But then we will see the willful king as we finish chapter 11. Those last 10 verses are all about the Antichrist. And then it rolls into chapter 12 that tells us about the future that's coming. But here's the beautiful and wonderful thing. We know, you and I know, the scripture tells us the Antichrist can't come to power until the church is removed. And when you look around the world today, it certainly looks like the Antichrist kingdom is being built quickly. It really does. But that saying, you know that saying, we're not looking for Antichrist. We're looking for Jesus Christ. Thanks for enduring the soap opera. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your word. And Lord, even in chapters like this, we're just amazed, Lord, that your word is so true and how it predicts everything before it ever happens. So many try, so many claim that they know, but they don't know. But you do to every detail. And that's why we know we can trust your word. We can trust your word because... You say something and it happens. And so, Lord, thank you for that and thank you for your word. Lord, just help us to be those who study your word, who hold to the truth. And God, help us not to live a soap opera. Help each one of us, Lord, just to live faithfully, living our lives for you, serving you and serving others, loving you and loving others, denying self and just walking in the power of your love. Help us, Lord. We praise you and we honor you in Jesus' name. This has been Hold Fast, a radio outreach ministry of Golgotha Fellowship in Nampa, Idaho. Thank you for listening today. If you would like to hear this message again, 
or any other in their entirety, please visit GolgothaFellowship.org. Our fellowship meets in Southeast Nampa, and our Sunday services are at 10 a.m. For more information visit our website. Until next time, may the Lord richly bless you. Hi folks, Pastor Marty here. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the teaching today. You know, it's my prayer that it's encouraged you to continue faithfully in the study of God's Word. I think it's so crucially important that these days the body of Christ stay in grounded and anchored in the Word of God as the world around us is sinking in the waves of false doctrine and the opinions of men. If you are seeking a church family, a church home, and you live in the Southeast Nampa area, I want to personally invite you. Our Sunday services are at 10 a.m. and we currently meet at East Valley Middle School. That's right off Greenhurst and Happy Valley. If you want to find out more, if you have any questions, you need directions, you want to catch up on a message, or if you have a prayer request, just go to our website, golgothafellowship.org. Let me help you spell that. It's G-O-L-G-O-T-H-A fellowship.org. Until next time, may God bless you and remember to hold fast.